Welcome to Empire Building, the podcast where we talk about building big businesses and even bigger lives. I'm your co-host, Bea Williams. And I'm Seychelle Van Poole. You have the two of us here today for a very special episode. And I'm excited about it because, Via, you just got back from <laughs> the craziest <laughs> trip. From I the mean, bottom of the earth? Yeah. You went to the bottom of the earth and you made it back, which is fantastic. I'm really glad you're back. And, I'm glad I'm back. Um, uh, it's like, you. I really wanted us to do this episode together today because you took on in the middle of doing, let's just call it two, three full-time jobs, four full-time jobs. I don't even know how many full-time jobs you have, but there's a lot in addition to being a very present mom and wife um, and daughter with all sorts of things going on with your family that are all amazing and challenging, you decide to take on uh, marathon training and going to Patagonia. On top of that, literally to the bottom of the earth for what many would consider to be like the hardest possible (laughs) marathon you could take on. And I'm like, as one of your dear friends, I'm watching you do this. And I'm like, I love you. And I think you might be crazy. Like, are like you crazy? I literally this lost is, it. Yeah. I'm like, did you lose it? And that's an option. It could be an option, but you option. didn't lose it. You didn't lose it, but you did one of the hardest things I think a human could do. And you you had to go through a lot to get there. And um Wendy and I did a session um a couple of months ago around hard things, and it really made me think that this episode would be a great part two to that. Of learning from your experiences, I would love for you to start by telling us about Patagonia. And then I would love for us to dive into some of the lessons you learned, because I truly believe some of the best ways we move forward is learning from other people's failures. And failure was the only option for you on this. Um, I want to, I want to learn from you on this. And so selfishly, I wanted to record this with you because I want to learn from you. And I figured if I wanted to learn from you, maybe you guys wanted to join us um, and, and learn <laughs> along with Via too. So we we get to we get to dive in with Via today. Um, so well, yeah, Via, <laughs> kick, kick us off. We started in Patagonia. We're training for Patagonia. You decide to sign up for Patagonia. Like, what made you even decide to do that? I know it's really crazy because I, I I knew I was walking into what was going to be the busiest year of my life. I knew that it, it became evident, you know, early January. What that would actually feel like, I did not know because I've never experienced it before. But I knew I could see this on paper it, because you, what, what happened in my case is I, I committed to a bunch of things in a staggered manner that all kind of ori- ended up originating at the same time. And I could see the writing on the wall by January, you know. And, and so it wasn't <laughs> like I walked into this not knowing that, right? Now, again, I didn't know how what that was going to feel like. I was telling you, the, you know, before this, I'm like, that's its own episode, right? Overcommitting, <laughs> like I am the queen. Like we need to have a full. We need to have a series. We're going to do, ladies. We're going to do a session <laughs> on that. We're going to have a full like, like session intervention session, whatever. <laughs> but um, but in the middle well, and, of all of that, and you yeah. said you did say at the beginning of this year, actually, when we were talking about our New Year's resolutions coming into this year as one of our episodes, you actually said one of your words this year was finish. And so yeah. I can see you going, I have committed to all these things in a staggered manner, but here I am. And now I have to finish what I started. Well, yeah, exactly. That is that is very much, that's a, been a, a very 
poignant year uh, word this year. You know, it's been a, it's like haunted me actually. But yeah, and you know, and 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 I'm looking at all of this, and I'm the heaviest I've ever been, and and I could see the writing on the wall there too. I was literally, I mean, I would call it sedentary. I just I was not exercising it on any level. And, um, and I, I sort of know myself and in the past when I've gotten into shape, I've used an event to kind of help kickstart that, right? Cause I'm a competitive person. I, I just work well towards a goal, a goal line. Right. So in the middle of January, um, our friend Sarita calls me and she goes, you know, this is going to sound crazy, but, um, do you want to, do you want to do the New York marathon with me? Do you want to walk just walk it. And I said, well, no, that's not crazy at all. I, I completely want to do that. I was inspired watching you and talk to my husband. He wanted to do it, her husband. We get this whole group together. And I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to walk a marathon. That felt doable. And by the way, it is doable. It is doable. You can easily, for all of you listening, you can you can train to walk a marathon in six, six 10 months, right? You can do that. Um, I don't mean to sound it's easy. Even walking a marathon takes training. It takes miles. It takes, you know, time and shoes, but you can do it. So, and, and then uh, and then she called me like a week or two later. She goes, okay, this is going to sound crazy, but I just got this Facebook ad and I don't know why, but it has your name written all over it. And it's this company called Mountains and Marathons. And it's a leadership training program that culminates in running a marathon in Patagonia. And I I kid you not say I was on a Zoom with them in 24 hours. I less. <laughs> <laughs> like I, like, I don't know what it yeah. was that I thought I could add a marathon to yeah. Patagonia. And so, sure. you know, long story yeah. short, I Super signed normal. up for this. And I'm like, Let's I'm like, okay, well, that's marathon. well, yeah, that was kind yeah. of my thought. I thought, I well, love it. That's in September. There's a nutritionist, there's a run coach. And, you know, I, I'll just use that for New York. Right. I mean, in my head, it made sense. I was going to be training for it anyway. Patagonia is a bucket list. I had to kind of talk husband off the ledge. He's like, I want to go to Patagonia, but it's not the kind of trip you can invite significant others. Cause it's with a, it's like with a program. So I signed up for this and I kind of forget about it. Cause it doesn't really start till March, you know, and my life's getting busier <laughs> busier. And then March start, it just, it just became cray cray. And it became very evident through a series of events that by, I would say by August, that the final culmination was when I should have been at the peak of my training. Um, and again, I was training to walk it. As it's getting closer, a couple of things are happening. Number one, what's happening is we're all realizing it's a new course and it's in the Torres del Paine National Park, which means there's a very strict time limits because they have to open the highway up, right? That's new information. So so number, so it's not really made for walkers, right? So th this whole time I've been going into it. So then number two, I get sick, which I'm guessing might have been COVID part two. Who knows? I, I kept testing negative, but um, I get sick and I am down for the count for like two weeks when I should have been at the peak of my training. So by like mid-August and keeping in mind, you know, the date of the marathon was like, I don't know, like September 10th or something. It was 10 days ago. So at the time of this taping, um, I'm like, I'm not going to make the marathon, but, but what I'll do is I'll do this as a half marathon so that I can do New York. New York is November 6th. I, I do, uh, yeah, I do know that date. So I, you know, basically, long story short, I showed up to Patagonia and uh, I realized there's a, an official half marathon. Like like most people, there's only 60 or 70 people doing the um, full marathon. The majority of the people there, like two or 300 are doing the half. I'm like, this is great. But the founders of my program are like, well, we actually want us to all start together. So why don't you start with the group with the full marathon group and just tap out, you know, just tap out. And, and it, I, you know, 
it, it was fine. I, I I had a heart to heart with him. I'm like, well, I mean, I, that's going to rob me of a finish line. It's going to rob me. Of, I'm going to be a DNF basically. I'm not going to be a finisher. But you know, the cool thing about it is I'm going to start with my team. And uh, it is going to be a unique experience. I was kind of like excited about the fact that I was going to be alone in the wilderness in Patagonia, knowing that, you know, with 60 or 70 people, I I knew I'd be last because I was the only walker, right? It's not designed for walkers. And that's exactly what happened. So I... um, Got, I think my my heart absolutely stopped at the finish line or at the starting line when I am looking around me and I'm like, these guys are like freaking runners. Like you don't go to Patagonia <laughs> to a marathon no. to one of the hilliest, hardest marathons on the planet. You just don't go there unless you're a serious runner. And I'm like, oh wow. So I just, I just knew, I just knew it was gonna be funky. Like right at that starting line like in the middle. And I'm like, all right, here we go. So we go and I am like immediately last. Like, like literally like there's this little, I mean, it, it takes three seconds for me to not, you know, to be last. And, um, and that's pretty much where I stayed the, the whole time. I, um, there were a couple, of, there's one busload of runners who actually missed the starting time. The, the national park's like two hours away from their nearest town. So there was one period where there was kind of a trickle of runners coming up, which was kind of fun, kind of nice. But for the most part, I was either last. And when I was last, I had the ambulance trailing me. Like it, it, I think it was 50 feet behind me, which was super disconcerting. Really, really wild. Like, cause you're, you're like, all, you can't have me. You can't. It's just I'm not going with you. You're like, <laughs> You know what? I didn't want to turn around and catch their eye because I didn't want him to cut me off. And also, I'm like, I'm in this foreign land. I don't speak the language. Like, who are these guys? Like, what? Like, it's like having this car. You can kind of hear it behind Chasing you. Very you, yeah. But there was a really good chunk where it wasn't behind me because, again, this this van of runners had started late, and so it was always behind the last the last person. So I would say I had I had a good four or five miles, I'm guessing, where it was just me, and I would maybe run into one person, and it was it was unbelievable. I don't even know how to describe the feeling of being absolutely alone. Um, there were 17 hills and a 15. 100 foot elevation game. And I, in my entire life, and it's a long life, I'm old, in my entire life, have I ever, ever done a physical activity that was that hard and that challenging? I, I've just never been in a position to have pushed myself that much. And I, I, I don't even know what to say about it. I'm in awe of, I'm in awe of athletes now and endurance athletes and people who push ourselves to the limits. I have a new appreciation for it about mind over body that I, I, you know, almost as, I mean, it is, it is intense. It is really intense to push your body like that. And I did, and I finished, I got to 13.6 miles and, uh, and I tapped out and I, I finally turned around and acknowledged the ambulance, you know, my friend, my stalker. <laughs> and, um, you know, and it was a really, uh, actually, um, it was a happy day. And, and the next day was emotional for me, not, not race day. The next day was, uh, was actually a pretty emotional day for me. So yeah, that's the story. So, you know, that 
you make it like you can talk about it afterwards now. And I know how much you trained. I know how painful it was. I know the amount of endurance and time. And, you know, you're training for this when you don't have the time to do 10 miles or when you don't have the time to do 16 miles of training and you, you put the time in to do that. And so, you know, my question is, is, you know, now looking back on this, what are some of the things that you learned or some of the failures you experienced um, that if we're, we're listening to this and going through a major challenge, a major commitment, a major feat, and it feels daunting and we'd rather give up, we'd rather not do it. We'd rather turn around or wave to the ambulance. So they pick us up. Like what, looking back, what are some of the big lessons that you had that you want to share with us today? Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot of lessons. Um, but before I jump into them, I want to address something you said, because you're, you're absolutely right. The longest distance I had gone in my training was 16 miles. And uh, as a walker who does a little bit of jogging, I'm a slow walker. Um, I have to check. But I, my recollection is that that 16 miles was maybe five hours. I'd have to check. And so these are long periods of time. Like you have to plan a Saturday or a Sunday around them. You know, I mean, that that's a that's a good chunk of your day. And in retrospect, that ended up being really good for me, um, ironically. I would never, ever have gone on a five-hour walk or hike uh, had it had it been for this. And, and as crazy as it sounds, with as much as I have going on, that ended up being a blessing. So I, I did want to kind of share that, that, that that was an unintended consequence in a good way, good consequence. But, you know, I think that what, what I've done a lot of reflecting on in the last couple of weeks about it is, is that this was a, a very hard thing. And I think physical endurance and physical um, activities are really good examples of hard things, right? They're a tangible um, thing that you feel in your body, right? You know, and so, because hard things are not always physical, but they're a good analogy and a good example. And and I think the first thing is, is that I like doing hard things. I thrive on doing hard things. And I think doing hard things are really good for me. And that, that might, you know, that might sound odd to people, but but what I know is, is that I can expect that life will be hard and I can expect that it will give me, you know, obstacles and challenges. And when I don't expect that, I'm surprised. And it's it's really not smart to be surprised. You should expect that. You should expect the unexpected. So when we purposefully do hard things, I think it conditions us, right, to handle the challenges that come in life, right? It conditions us to put to put mind over matter and do what we have to do. So I want to start there, that that I that that I really reflected while I was alone for hours in the wilderness in Patagonia. I was really reflecting a lot on that. Like, why am I doing this? You know, there was one time, Seychelle, I haven't shared this with anyone, but so why don't I share it on a podcast? Yeah, just, you know, just share it now. It's for no one's listening. It's fine. No, no worries. <laughs> no worries. There, there was a time I, I had texted a few friends the night before. I just, I, it kind of hit me when we were picking up uh, numbers and I started seeing the athletes. I was like, I'm out of my league. I, this is, this is going to be, I knew it was going to be kind of an intense event. So I texted a few friends and, and one of them, uh, Chris Suarez is his name. He's a, he's a very, very fast, good endurance runner. And I go, I go, all right, buddy, I'm really nervous. What do you got for me here? I've, I'm, I'm feeling it right now. I have really bad pre-race jitters. And he said, your body is a machine and it will obey your orders. So make sure that your mind is in charge. 
and tell your body to do it. So there were times out there, especially like on that 15th or 16th hill, uh, like mile 12 and 13, where I just, I don't even know how to describe how hard it was, where I started talking out loud to my body. And it was specifically my legs. And so I was like, all right, legs, here's what we're going to do. We're going to collaborate on this, but I'm in charge. I'm the boss. I was saying this out loud, like out loud. I was like, you know, I'm the boss. You are going to move and you're going to keep moving at a regular cadence. You are not going to stop. You're going to listen to me and you're going to obey <laughs> me, right? I mean, like out loud, yeah. right? And I'm like, I've really lost my marvels now. But, you know, it's like you do crazy stuff in that moment, right? Anything to get through it. Anything to get through it. So, so I think that, you know, I think that why, why we do hard things is that, is that when, you, when you condition yourself to do hard things, they become not hard anymore, right? And you condition yourself to, to be able to do harder and harder things, and that's how we build a bigger life. But why don't people do hard things, you know? And, and I thought about this a lot, too. I, I thought about that a lot of the times they, they just fear failure. I think a lot of humans simply fear failure, and I don't. I, I, I don't know if it's a conditioning thing or a superpower, but I do fear failure less than most people I know. And, you know, my, my comment to, to any of you guys is don't fear the failure. Fear not doing the work. You see, the failure is in the, the non-attempt not in the attempt and the not making it. I just have, have reframed it, you know, a long, long time ago. I do not have a high need to look good and be right. I just don't, you know, and, and, I, and you have to ask yourself, do you? You know, why do you care so much about failing? Is, is that, you know, whose life are you living? Is it yours? Is it, is it someone else? Is it one particular person? Is it, you know, you can really go there and start asking yourself a lot of questions because if you don't feel failure, if you don't fear failure, I should say, then why wouldn't you do hard things? Hard things, the challenging things are where we get the biggest reward. I mean, I, I cannot wait, you know, and, and stay tuned. In fact, it's interesting because this episode will air I believe, right after the New York Marathon. So you all have to get on my social media to see. I am determined to finish that marathon because uh, I didn't do this one, right? I, I will finish a marathon this year. That's that's my word of the year. But but these are the rewards. You know, the, the, the easy things, you just, you don't feel as fulfilled when you do it, right? But when you focus on a really, really hard problem and you train for it and you put a lot of time into it and you accomplish it, um, it, the, it, it just has so many amazing things. You learn so many new skills, so many new, the, the fact I'm talking to you now about all these lessons, they were lessons. They were learned doing this hard thing, you know? So I, I think that's. Well, really I think about it too, though, is like, you not only are willing to do hard things, you're willing to do things you've never done before. A lot mm -hmm. of people will say, well, I'm going to I'm gonna build this company and then I'm going to build it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm going to become someone on the way to that, which you do. You accomplish big things in the business world. And what I also observe in you is that you also work to conquer new big things. And a lot of people don't seek that out as like building new skill sets, conquering new challenges. Like you've never done an endurance like feet like this. And so now at this point in your life, you're like, I am going to conquer this new hard thing. Like what, what in your mind, like pushes you to get yourself out of your comfort zone to do that mm -hmm. on, I would say an annual basis. You do that regularly. Yeah, I do. I, I think everybody should do something that they're not good at every year. And uh, that doesn't always mean a hard thing, by the way. That, that doesn't always have to be hard. But 
it is really important to be a beginner, intermediate, and a master on, you know, things throughout woven throughout your life, I believe, right? I always want to be in in each of those those zones. And I think that it's important to do to be, be sure you're a beginner. For me, I don't like being bad at something. I don't like being the weakest, you know, um, the weakest rung. I just don't like it. And so when I'm doing something new, I try to get out of that fast and I try to get better at it. And uh, it's just good for me. It's good for me to be humble. It's good for my ego. It's really good for my ego to be last in the Patagonian Marathon. It's a very, very humbling experience to have an ambulance chasing you, literally. Literally, <laughs> like not even as a figure of speech, right? Ambulance chasing yeah. me, that, that's really good for my ego. It is, there's nothing more humbling than that. I, I mean, very few things, right? And so um, I think that, you know, that that a lot of the the humility and the um, the pursuit of mastery um, and the uh, risk tolerance that I have have been, at times, it was inadvertent. Now I'm more purposeful about it, but it was because I was always seeking hard things and new things, right? And so um, they can be one and the same, by the way. You know, they often are one and the same, but they don't have to be. Like one of my things this year, I used to be a... Um, I was almost a music major. So I used to, as a strong piano player in high school into college, and I just let it go, right? Like a lot of people do. And one of my things that, um, I, I think I'll add it to next year. <laughs> I think the marathon's <laughs> run up this year. But I originally was going to add on to my calendar this year was, you know, I just wanted to learn five songs on the piano again, right? So I think I'll do that next year. And just just as a, it's not hard for me. It's just time on task on time, right? And it's new. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really do like to be in all zones, right? I'm a master in my field in certain zones, but I always want to be sure I'm a beginner. I um, I really love that. That's, I think, a good note for anybody listening. Always be a beginner, an intermediate, and an Something. advanced in somewhere in your life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think that's a great, that's a great way to keep learning. Um, so you got to a point where you were on the 15th or 16th hill and you're having to push yourself over. You're literally having to have your mindset over your body to be in control and in charge. Um, you know, it took months to train for this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, something that you mentioned was, you know, the time it takes to train for something like this. You said it takes six months of training to complete six months of training. Like, what did you learn from the training aspect of this? Yeah, you can't make up for lost time. And and that is something in life like like you cannot cheat time. You can't cram 6 months of marathon training into 2 weeks. It's it's physically not possible. And that that's a tangible lesson when you're at the starting line and you realize that you know you undertrained that you're that you're not there, right? And I mean, um I think that I think that the the lesson is is that you have to make choices today now for your future. And, and you can't wait and, and you know, hope that they're going to happen. Everything we do now could be for 60, 90 days in the future. It could be for a year in the future. Think about even investing. Investing could be a decade in the future, 20 years in the future. And you can't make up for lost time. Actually, investing is a great example. You know, if we all would have bought, you know, there's all the Warren Buffett stories, you know, for his one one stock he bought, you know, and you show the exponential value that he's gained over that over 10 or 20 years, right? But I mean, I would also say as far as not making up for lost time, you know, my my big aha, I mean, probably the one of the biggest ahas that I got 
was that you have to train your mindset too. It's not just in this case, physical training and maybe it's investment training or, or, you know, whatever it is you're working on, but you have to work out your mind like you work out your body. And what I did do was that I, you know, every time I walked and ran, I was listening to um, books and podcasts specifically about um, about the, the willpower and endurance. And and I was I literally worked out my mind, my brain. Sometimes I I'll put the shower on cold to condition myself to work through a hard thing, right? So I I did actual mindset training, and I'm very very grateful I did because I I shouldn't have probably with the physical shape I was in I probably shouldn't even hit 13.6 miles on that course. So, I mean, that was just completely due to, you know, the mindset training that I did. And you can't make up for that. I couldn't have crammed that in Mm -hmm. two days before, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. No, you can't. I mean, it it takes six months to train six months for a marathon. Like, you're absolutely right on that. You know, so something you got to a point on, which when you realize, like, this is not going to be a full marathon, this is going to be half, is you had to have a reality check. How... How did you get there? How did you reconcile that? I'm sure there's some like emotions that you went through in getting there. How how did you do that? And and how did you keep your mindset focused on that? Well, I think I'm really glad you asked that because I think that doing hard things and persevering and and doing all the things we're talking about, you know, starts with completely unemotionally assessing reality. You just have to have that ability to look at a situation and understand neutrally what it is. It's a great book I read um, in this training by Trevor Moad. And it was M-O-A-W-A-D called Neutral Thinking or something. We'll, we'll put it in show notes. And, and, and that's exactly what he talks about. He coached Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks. And, and he coached him into, you know, there's, it's, it is what it is. What are we going to do with this information, right? Really helped me along this journey because it just neutralized me. And so, you know, I was just very matter of fact about it. I'm like, this is where I am physically. This is where the course is. You know, this is what it's going to be like. And how am I going to, what am I going to do with this information? What's the best, you know, what's the best tactic for me? And, and I just kind of, um, I just kind of had that, that focus and, and that, you know, that steady willpower. It's also why I was in a really great headspace on race day. And it was only the next day that I sort of, um, I think that the fail hit me the next day because I was in such a great mindset space on race day. I was really primed for it. And then I just let it go a little bit that next day. You know, I just kind of acknowledged my sadness, you know, I think in disappointment that I, that I didn't hit it. And by the way, uh, race was on a Saturday. That was on a Sunday. By Monday, I was great again. I mean, this is just a, a mindset. I have a strong, strong mindset. And my body may not be strong, but my mindset is. And so I, I, uh, I was able to work through it. But I, I did. I took a day to be in it, mm-hmm. you know, and kind mm-hmm. of be sad and a little bit. You know, I had a tough day the next day. But, well, it's, you know, that's okay. sometimes you have to let yourself be where you are so you can move past it. So it sounds yeah. like you gave yourself permission to do that. And that's a help. That's a As I think thing other to people do. should too. But, you know, there's yeah. a timeline on that, right? And and I worked mm-hmm. through it, not around it. Like I, I acknowledged it. I spent time with it. I, you know, I journaled. I was like, what am I really upset about? What am I, you know, and by the way, what, what a lot of it was, was it, it hurt so bad. Like I was like, I don't, I can't, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't want to go back and train. Like, I I don't want to, even now, it's been 10 days, mm. I've hardly trained. Like, I really have to get back on the saddle because, mm. you know, you, human nature is you just don't want to face pain like that. Yeah. 
So it's a trip. <laughs> well, this this makes me think about like the title that we chose for this episode, which is failure is the only option. And that's exactly what you're experiencing right now as you're failing through, not around it, but you're failing through pain into success. And and something that you mentioned that really, this one hit home for me, Via, was when you said that we have to be committed to the goal, not the timeline. And and I think you would have felt very differently if you said, if I don't complete a half marathon, if I don't complete a full marathon, it's a failure. Instead, your true goal this whole time has been actually to do the marathon in New York on November yeah, 6th. Yeah, that's true. And this, this was a through, failing through this actually allows you velocity into succeeding at that. Um, and, and that one really struck me because I think especially when markets change, business gets hard, relationships struggle, our bodies give us a physicality we weren't expecting, right? So many things can happen in life. We tend to quit because it, we didn't meet the goal on our timeline or what we wanted. And I loved this comment of be committed to the goal, not the timeline, because sometimes you just have to push the timeline out just a little bit farther and all of a sudden the goal's attainable. Well, it's a really good one to end on because it might be the most important one. And, and, and I know that, you know, look, I get it in, in life and in business, we have deadlines and there's certain think metrics we have to hit and certain timelines. I, I understand that, but I have, I have long, long, um, lived with the, you know, the, the philosophy that on the big things, uh, I set a goal and the timeline is what it is. It's not that I'm not pushing for it, but, but here's what I know. I quote Ryan Holiday all the time, especially during this, the obstacle is the way, right? A lot of the times the obstacle is the actual path that we are meant to go on. I was meant to not complete this marathon. And because it's teaching me lessons I need to learn, and it's, it's you know, pushing me to actually finish a marathon in New York. I have a fire in my belly that I, I wouldn't have had, right? So, I think that when we expect the unexpected and when we say, look, there will 100% be obstacles, you may not know what they are, what it does is it, it primes us and it, and, it, and it prepares us so that we don't just throw it all away. I, I know before, you know, when I've dieted, I think it's a good example. Um, in the past, I, I would diet and I would have a cheat day and then I'd go, oh, forget it. I'm going to throw the whole diet out. I cheated. It doesn't matter anymore. I blow the diet because of one cheat day. But if you walk into a diet and you go, okay, I will have cheat dates. How am I going to handle those in advance? And, and, and that's exactly what I do. I almost prepare for the fails in advance. And so when, when we talk about not hitting the timeline, um, I, I, for two or three weeks before, I've been preparing my mind for um, how am I going to handle it when I get there? Like I, I just had preset. I could anticipate where the issues were going to be because I didn't want to give up New York because I didn't want to use that as an excuse, right? So I was pretty prepared because the goal is immovable. I mean, the goal is immovable. I continue to work towards it. And you know what? I will hit New York, but let's pretend I don't. I'll hit, I'll hit another one. I mean, the goal is immovable. The timeline, it doesn't always happen. Life happens. You know, what if I got injured? I knew that was a possibility. I, I was really out of shape. You know, it's a miracle I haven't. For me to work through the shin splints that I went through took, a, you know, an army of people to help. So, I mean, um, I think in a lot of things in life, you know, don't get discouraged if you don't hit them when you think you should or you want to. Just keep moving the needle. You know, it, it, the timelines do not always match up, right? And that's okay. That's okay. Don't stop, though. Mm -hmm. Don't stop. Fail forward. Fail forward. Yeah. And 
you know, Via, I really appreciate you being willing to share some of these lessons with us today because um, you truly epitomize a person that is willing to do hard things. You are willing to get in there. You are willing to conquer it, figure it out, tackle it head on with determination and grit um, that I don't see in most people. And um, getting to be here cheering you on, not in Patagonia, but from Dallas, Texas. Um, <laughs> I'm so proud of you for finishing that because you did. You finished. and I finished the, my race. You, yeah. you finished your race. And I didn't you finish went. the marathon. You didn't finish the marathon, but that that's not the only marathon. Yeah. yeah. And there will be another. I and I I love, I know, you're at peace. And I love that you're learning as you go to conquer your mindset, to prepare differently every time, to overcome and not feel like not fear failure and to be willing to get up and do it again. And I know that you will get up and you'll do New York and you're going to have a great time with a great team right there with you in New York. Mm -hmm. And yeah. um, it's it's going to be neat to see what you decide to tackle next year as your hard things that you take on. I have an um, idea, but I don't want to say it on the podcast. I'll tell you. Not yet. Fine. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it for when we talk about next year. There um, you go. Yeah. But I am, I think I am everybody, proud of you. So, but you know what, Seychelles, as everyone thinks about, you know, because um, it's that time of year, as everyone thinks about growth plans and business plans and what they want to accomplish in the upcoming year, I do encourage all of you listeners, all, all of you guys, and you too, say, um, to think about, you know, what's a hard thing I'm going to do this year and what's a new thing I'm going to I'm going to try this year. And by the way, they can be the same. But I, I think that choosing one, a hard thing purposely, it really helps condition us for the hard mm -hmm. things that come unexpectedly. One, mm -hmm. well, you know, it's interesting. Angela Duckworth talks about it in her book, Grit, on how you build resiliency in our kids. And actually, the number one thing is exposing your kids to hard things. The more we expose them to, that challenge them on a regular basis, that get them out of their comfort zone, the more life they are prepared to tackle. And you're not just doing that with your kids, and I see that on a daily basis when you do that with them, but you're you're showing it as an example in yourself too. And uh, it's just, I applaud you for it. I'm really thankful you shared some of these lessons with us here today. And if you are working on your growth plans for next year, think about the things that you want to learn, the things you want to grow, the things you want to do and conquer. Uh, and share them with us. We'd love to hear about it. Um, and go out and fail because that's the only way to do it. I appreciate you, my friend. Bye, guys. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Seychelles.